Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April episode of the Simple Farms podcast. I'm Lori Boyer. My guest today is Scott Scheimer. He is the CEO and creator of the Simple Farms LLC app. Today, we'll talk about that app, and Scott is going to share the story of his farm and how he uses that app and came up with the idea in the first place. Scott, I know you've been out and about making some good connections. A lot of people know who you are, but let's go ahead and start off with a brief background on yourself. Hey, Lori. Thanks for being with me this morning. And this app I created just to help me on my own farm. Started off with the spreadsheets, trying to figure out what our cost of production was, where we need to be marketing at as far as market levels to make a profit. And uh, we started off spreadsheets and trying other programs. And I finally just, I decided I'm going to make my own program. And, uh, you know, it was a long trail. It was a hard trail. Sometimes you get these dreams and you're not sure you're actually going to accomplish what your goals are. And I pushed hard and. We ended up with the Simple Farms program. Since then, we've been on the road trying to promote it. Uh, COVID has not been helpful for us, especially getting in front of producers. But uh, this year, it was a lot of fun. We finally got got out there in front of guys. Everybody wasn't hiding from the COVID. And uh, we had some fantastic traction this year. A lot of new adopters. And uh, response we've gotten from guys has been fantastic. Really enjoying the program. And uh, we're also using it on our operation. And that's where we want to kind of point things out here is talk more about Shimer Farms and uh, how we're using that personally. And maybe just tell a little bit about of our story on our farm itself here in Cheyenne Wells, Colorado. How did you get into the farming industry in general? Um, <laughs> I guess I started off, it was my grandpa's farm on my mom's side. And uh, every summer we came out here and helped on the farm, played around. Uh, <laughs> grandpa had a, uh, custom harvest crew in the seventies. I always wanted to go with them. I had to be potty trade to get on the combine. And that was the goal and, uh, went on harvest with them. And it's just been in my blood ever since my dad was air force. So we traveled all over the United States and into Europe, but every summer I always came back. And at the age of nine, I started driving tractor on the farm and, uh, no matter where we lived, I came back and I helped grandpa out. Unfortunately, my freshman year of college at CSU, he passed. And uh, so I took over the operation. Dad stayed, uh, he had retired from the Air Force by that point, but he was a airline pilot for American. And mom is a financial planner. So uh, kind of skipped a generation for the farm. So I took over and had a lot of help from neighbors around here and just took it on from there. So I started pretty young. I'm actually on year 32. Wow. Doing this. Scott, I know you're in Cheyenne Wells, Colorado. Have you grown the farm in terms of the size of the farm? I have. The original dynamic of the farm was we did have some uh, full-time help on a foreman and some other individuals. And my grandpa was pretty wise. There was no way I was going to be able to take on the entire operation. So I took on just the leases. Um, one of my landlords lived in McAllen, Texas, and I put on a little suit, flew down there with my little briefcase. I was 19 years old, promoted myself to her, and she let me take on her operation, which was a little over 4,000 acres. So that's how I started was with her lease. The rest of the family ground was leased out to other operators, 
which we then structured a long-term transition to me. So everybody kind of knew what was going on. The rug didn't get jerked out from under those guys. And uh, we had an agreement so that we could just do a nice long-term transition without having a big capital outlay of taking everything over. And you now have all that land transferred over to you? We do. And uh, we bought ground along the way. You know, we were aware when we were going to receive ground and if there was an opportunity to pick up other land, we, we did that when we could. And uh, so, yeah, we've expanded. I started at 4,000 acres and we're a little over 20,000 now and uh, with lease and owned. Scott, do you farm with other family members? My brother took over my mom's financial planning business, but he has partnered with me in ownership on some of the ground and some of the leases. And uh, that way he's got involvement in the operation, but he is also my financial planner. So he, oh, nice. we, we have a nice team on that end. He does not come out and really do anything on the operation, but he does take care of our financials on that end. So we have we have a nice diversified balance there. I'm glad to hear that is working out with you. That is good. Currently, what all do you raise on your farm? So we keep trying to diversify, Lori. We're trying everything we can to use the equipment we have and do more varieties of crops. We are now right now corn, milo, wheat, millet, and we're doing a little bit of soybeans. This year, we're going to start working on cereal rye, and we just planted some oats for a cover crop. We had messed with the cover crop mixes uh, about six, seven years ago and ran our cattle on it, but we got out of the cattle business, mainly just shorthanded, and I got real busy with the Simple Farms program through the winters. What does the water situation look like in Cheyenne Wells? You know... I've been pretty proud of the fact that we've been pretty cautious about what we're doing with our irrigation. We don't do a lot of corn. We're doing some millet, milo, like I said, some soybeans. We haven't been pushing our pivots, but that doesn't exactly save just the aquifer here. And we had been holding strong, but last year near the end, we started to really tail off. So I'm a little concerned this year about where we're going to start. One well is servicing three pivots on one location and then another mm -hmm. two. And so we're already planning on doing a lot more rotation with the pivots and changing up our populations and what we're going to do on that end. But it it's starting to worry me. Scott, a lot of things that I see and report on as a farm broadcaster has to do with input costs and availability, even being able to get a hold of it. Has that been a problem for you? A little bit. We helped Nutrien get started here in Cheyenne Wells. So they actually headquartered in our office for three years here. And um, so we had a pretty close connection with both our local supplier and the, the company buyer. And uh, yeah, they had kind of given us a heads up about a year ago what was going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we did stock up. We're in pretty good shape on inputs. And uh, we, we got crazy. And we, we historically have pre-purchased our fertilizers. Uh, but, you know, they would let us just deposit some money and lockdown fertilizer and they wouldn't allow us to do this last year when we were starting to worry. So we actually brought a whole bunch of comb bottoms in the yard and filled up with inventory on hand here. Uh, it's not all of it, but we got quite a bit, but it, yeah, I feel like this is actually going to be the new norm in every aspect from all the conversations I've had. Scott, that is a great segue into talking about the app now. Let's talk more about the Simple Farms app and how that can be used during these times of tight and questionable margins. It can in a few different ways. It's hard to wrap your mind around all the products we're using anymore. 
uh, fertilizers, chemicals, all these products. We're using so many different varieties, aspects, and track those price points. It gets crazy. So the Simple Farms program, we do have a part in it where we are tracking the prices of everything we're purchasing. And that's how we know what we're applying to the field. So it's a nice, just long database list of all the price points. And when I call my supplier, we just ordered 28.005 to top dress our wheat. And uh, last year we paid 215 on average a ton. And this year we're at 615 to 675 a ton. Right there, that just, wow. You don't realize it until you start staring at those numbers. But when we're applying that in the Simple Farms margin analysis, it's telling us right away where we need to be marketing this grain at. I don't know where this market's going to go, but anytime we're purchasing an input, we'll turn around, look at it in the margin analysis, get a guesstimate, and at least contract some of this grain at these levels. It's telling us we're in the black, and so we're pulling the trigger here. But I even at this point with this volatility, these numbers are still really tight. You know, we're almost double our input costs and double our market price. And we're looking at a one to 2% margin again. And that's if everything works out. You and I talked a little bit about the weather. It ain't going to take much of a yield reduction, even with great market prices. But with these inputs, we're going to get in trouble. Uh, it makes me nervous for my neighbors and uh, my peers and us. <laughs> and that's why we love to tout my program the simple farms app is guys can use that to at least get some perspective as to where their position is especially these volatile times scott just sitting here listening to you and listening to you tell your story it really makes me see how this simple farms app can be so important because a lot of people are thinking now wow farmers are getting good prices they're doing really well but what they don't understand is a backside or the input side and that's where this app can help tell that story oh you're exactly right Lori. it's a visual tool it's something that can paint more of a picture than us just telling the story and people having to believe our story you know it goes down to farm equipment we can't even get a machinery uh our sprayers delayed that we had ordered for april delivery it's not coming till july uh used equipment is becoming quite quite valuable because nobody can get a hold of the new equipment uh it's every aspect of this i was at a conference on planters they're talking there's certain john deere planter parts you can't get for this year and we're just getting ready to go into planting season i it, i think it is the new norm but you then mentioned a big concern of mine is that us as producers is we need to get the story out in every aspect we can we're doing the best we can to produce as much as we can for the consumer i'm i'm very afraid when grocery store shelves start emptying out food prices are at the levels they are we unfortunately as producers the end end of the line and we're going to get blamed for this I, i'm worried about that I, I think it's important that we tell our story and get the word out we're just a price taker and we're doing the best we can Scott, this really is a good discussion we're having here today. And with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, there are less wheat and crops coming out of those countries because the ports are closed off. Also, just in general, not knowing if they're going to be able to plant or not. And it looks like that American farmers are going to be expected to fill that gap, especially for developing countries that usually get their wheat from Ukraine. USA Secretary of Agriculture said that American farmers can fill the gap. However, it's going to take a few years. It's not going to happen this year. It is, and it takes us all the way to the inputs. Uh, 
all, Russia is also a huge supplier of fertilizers. Um, what a lot of people fail to recognize as well is <laughs> natural gas is basically the production source for our fertilizers, the majority in the world, the cheap fertilizers. And availability is almost not there because of the war going on in Russia, Ukraine, but also the lack of production in the U.S. Uh, fertilizer is going to be a bigger problem in any of these. Uh, I listened to an analyst yesterday that said, we got three to four years before we can actually ramp up where we can get back to the levels of input of fertilities. And that's missing. And so we can't exactly escalate production if we don't have our inputs. That is good information, Scott. And to your point, isn't Russia the biggest producer of potash? They were in the top five. I'm not okay. quite sure. But yeah, yeah, potash, nitrogen, and phosphorus are all being hurt by this, what's going on over in Europe. But the green movement's not helping this either. The war was a factor, but the, the green movement of all petroleum's being produced or drilled is really hurting our industry. Does any of your corn go for ethanol? Not much. Most of ours is export either to China if it hits the rail here in Shine Wells or we're going down to the feed yards in the valley. Okay. Those are our main two aspects. The one that we're starting to really ramp up and look at is the oil industry, the crush with the soybeans and oh. sunflower oil. Mm -hmm. Biodiesel is really exploding. And that's probably going to be the next big movement. And I think it'll be similar to ethanol, if not bigger. I think guys better really pay attention to the oil end. There's a lot of production starting to begin on uh, processing facilities. Typically, Colorado is not a soybean state. But since you mentioned soybean oil, do you think we'll start seeing more beans planted here? Well, or sunflowers. You know, sunflowers, sunflowers. are going to fill that oil aspect as well. Yeah. How do you fill in those voids for we're missing wheat, we're short on corn, everything's fighting for an acre. Uh, Scott, as of right now, you are top dressing wheat and what else are you doing on your farm? Yeah, we're just actually racing the wind. So yesterday or last night I finished up top dressing wheat. We had been waiting for moisture. Typically we'll top dress much sooner, but it wasn't looking very promising. We got a little moisture, wheat's looking better, so we're top dressing that. And then we will uh, immediately start putting our pre-emergence down for our corn, milo, and millet. The race is on. It's time to go. We're starting to see kosher weeds poke, poke out of the ground, and uh, oh. it's time to go. <laughs> Scott, that being said, the key, it sounds like, from other interviews I've done on the Simple Farms app, is then to go in and make sure that you populate your app at the end of the day or at the end of the week. It's exactly right. So I actually sprayed about five different fields of wheat yesterday, knocked out a thousand acres, but it was, it was about five different fields. And every time I wrapped up a field, I parked the sprayer. It took me 20 seconds. I tapped in my phone that I put in some, uh, what field I went to the sprayer I was driving and just a few taps on the phone of those icons. And then the products I put in some 28005, some ally and, uh, some Banville tapped those in, boom, sent it on, took me 20 seconds, and we applied them to the analysis on that wheat. It gives us perspective exactly where we need to be marketing this wheat at. And we're getting to the end. You know, it's one of the last inputs we're putting on the wheat. Yeah. Hopefully we don't run into bugs or, or anything. And uh, we're knowing exactly what our cost of production is if we can hit our yield goals. What else would you like to say that I haven't asked you about today? 
Lori, I think we covered a lot today. We're just looking forward to a good, safe planting season and hope everybody else out there is safe and uh, watches out for each other. And it's stressful. Let's just take care of each other. And at the end of the day, just be thankful we're in the industry we are and where we live. Always good to talk to you. Once again, Scott Scheimer, my guest, he is the CEO and the creator of the Simple Farms app. For more information on this program, you can log on to www.simplefarms.ag. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. I'm your host, Lori Boyer.